Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So today our guest is Mike Bunhead. He's a multi-talented artist from Ohio. He is known for his skills as a bass player and a songwriter. He has a diverse range of abilities and a passion for his craft. Uh, we're going to be talking about music, obviously, um, and, and how he is working on, on marketing and presenting and building his personal brand. Hello, and thank you for making the time to be a guest in our podcast, Mike. Hi, Tatiana. Thank you for inviting me here. This is, is going to be nice. Wonderful. So let's start with a bit of a background. Tell me a little bit about yourself, um, your career. How did you gravitate towards music? Wow, that's really open-ended. Let's start with uh, career in the United States. As you might know, it's very difficult to make a living as a musician. Mm. I came to music rather late in life. I actually spent 17 years in corporate IT for a Fortune 500 company. And as I got older, I learned that that was really not good for me or my mental health. So I actually left corporate America in late 2021. I've been doing music professionally since 2017. So for a while, corporate me and artistic me overlap. Uh, mm. Since then, I have found another gig that pays more than music, but enables me to handle, take care of my mental health better mm. while also still paying the bills. My uh, goal eventually is to have music be my only job and source of income. I'm not there yet. And it's one of those things that's going to take a lot of hard work and time, but that's, that's the long-term goal. As mm. for how I got started in music, I come from a family where music was always playing in the house. I didn't actually start learning how to play until I was 20 or 21. So it was definitely very late in life. Um, when I became an actual musician, I bought a bass. That was my first instrument. I learned by reading everything I could. This was before YouTube tutorials, by the way. Mm. <laughs> how old I am. <laughs> so I learned from actually reading books and and watching friends play and having friends show me things. And after time, I got a lot better at my instrument than I started mm -hmm. out being. I'm not, as, I'm not as technically proficient as I would like to be. And I recognize that I'm not, I don't consider myself to be a gifted musician, but I think that if you work hard enough, you can overcome some of the deficiencies in natural ability. Mm, of course, yeah. And it's um, since our audience is mostly consisting of entrepreneurs, I think that's uh, what you mentioned, that you, you can have a successful career in a decent wage, but if you don't feel right, that's that's actually very, very important. And it's not always just about, you. obviously, you have to pay the bills. You know, there's no way around that, but it's important not to forget where where you feel good and forget yourself. And in the culture in the United States, that's hard. In this country, culture and society have conditioned us to work a lot harder and longer than we probably should. <laughs> and I was one of those people, and it took me a long time to learn otherwise. And I, and I wish that I had learned that lesson sooner. One of the turning points was after a lengthy international trip. I was in uh, Sri Lanka for a couple of weeks, which is really far from here, time zone wise. And I had come home and I was jet lagged, but still trying to work 40 or 50 hours a week. 
And one day I had a panic attack and I thought it was a heart attack because mm. it was my first time having a panic attack and I didn't know the difference and ended up going to the hospital and getting checked out and uh, received a diagnosis of depression and lots of anxiety. And mm. and it was probably the corporate job and working so hard that pushed me in that direction. I was probably under that stress for years, but there's a point where your body can physically no longer deal with it. And mine mm. had had enough and put me in the hospital. So uh, since then, I've been trying to take care of my mental health more because it directly impacts my physical health. So mm. I think I'm in a in a better position now. But yeah, you have to look if you can't if you can't physically function, whatever you're doing for a living, whether that's a corporate job or being an entrepreneur, it's not going to work for you very long if if you can't physically do it. Mm. Yeah, it is like it's a it's a good um, I guess way you you described it is it's like you've likely been in that stress for years. It's just like your body trying to scream at you, you know, do something about it. Yeah, that's that's definitely what it was. So when you're an independent musician, essentially you're a small business owner. That's hmm. that's what it is in in this country. So now I have a small business. I my non music gig is also independent contracting type of work, but I can choose my own schedule. I can choose the jobs mm. that I take. If I get stressed, I can say, no, I don't need to do this job. And there's no boss looking over mm. my shoulder. There's no corporate pressure. So for me, it's a better situation. It's might not be a fit for everyone, but I am under a lot less stress than I used to be, which mm. will make me more useful at everything I decide to do. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you, you can't do well if you don't feel well. So how, I mean, you, you just said that yourself, you obviously have the, like, well, the, the job that's paying the bills. And ideally, you would like to completely replace that with the music. But being a musician, that is, and I think nowadays, pretty much being anything, you, you do have, in a way, you have a personal brand. That, that's just what it is. And you have to behave and present yourself and market yourself as such. How do you find that working out for you? What do you do in that direction? What would you advise people that are just starting out in that uh, space to, to do or to avoid doing? Um, that's something that's very difficult for me because probably because of the generation I'm in, that's kind of a new concept of having, mm. to me, it's a new concept of having a personal brand. I don't like it. But I recognize from a business standpoint, there's no getting around it. It's necessary. You have to be able to market yourself. I look at it like this. Any kind of business needs customers. When you're an innocent musician, that's no different. I, the lifeline of any business is their customer. Show me a successful business that doesn't advertise, that doesn't run commercials or look for a new clientele. Well, mm. as an independent musician, and there are a lot of ways to be an independent musician, but it's the same thing. You have to get your product, which is the music, or, or ultimately yourself and your personality, in front of the right person, and mm. invest that person to become to become a customer. Uh, so for me, I have a lot of respect for actors. I could not be one. I don't do fake. So I kind of just have to be me and try to make sure that enough people like that to where I can <laughs> eventually get them to listen to the music, to listen to the message, to understand what I'm trying to say. But I think at the end of the day, everyone that makes art is, is looking for a human connection and to reach out and, and share something mm. with someone. So I'm looking for the kind of music listener that will take the time to appreciate the message, understand it. Obviously, I hope they like the music. And 
if that's the case, those kind of people at the end of the day are less concerned about investing in the music than in me as a person, as an individual. So I think being authentic and open and real, people will see mm. through it if you're fake. So that's not, mm. I mean, maybe it'll work for a little bit, but I don't think that's a long-term strategy mm. for success. So I try to be me as best as I can and, and hope that I find listeners that appreciate that. Mm. Definitely. And I think that that more and more as time goes on, it, it um, like it was easier before to fake things, both for personal brands or just for people that are uh, creative, which, you know, they have to maintain their personal brand and for companies as well, for, for, you know, company brands, it was a lot easier to fake and hide things. You could present something as the story and, you know, pay to put it on TV, on the radio, or like in some newspapers and people would buy that. But nowadays with like, everybody's walking around with their phone, everybody can take you out everywhere. Like you, I mean, you can uh, be a creative or, you know, an artist, a musician, an actor, or you can be the CEO of a company. I mean, people know where you eat and where you sleep and what you do. Like you, you really cannot have that mismatch between who you're saying people you are and who you actually are. That's true. And I think that's even more true for music nowadays if you're an independent artist because it's very community-based. Mm. There is so much music and music is so accessible, mm. right? There, there are more people making music and putting it available for distribution than ever because the tools with which to do so have simplified. So there are more mm. people today than ever that have access to be able to put their music in a place where anyone can go find it. Okay, well, if that's the case, how do you stand out? One of the mm. ways you can stand out, and obviously the music has to be quality or else it's not non-starter. But one of the things, one of the things that you can do to stand out is to build community around your music. And there's a lot of ways to do that, but starting where you live, mm. I think the best way, finding other musicians to collaborate with, going to see shows in your community, getting out there and meeting people face-to-face. -face. Again, like, like a businessman or a salesperson, the best work is done face-to-face. -face. And if you're fake, eventually people are gonna figure that out. Mm. If who you are to someone at a show in person is different from who you are in an Instagram reel, eventually mm. people are gonna figure that out. And also that's gotta be exhausting. From a, mm. I just can't imagine trying to act differently. I mean, again, I it might be my generation, but I just I can't imagine trying to put on a different appearance for each group of people. Mm. Yeah, it does. It does sound tiring. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how people do it. There must be some ways, but yeah, I can't imagine that. I think it's very cool that you just mentioned and something that people overlook nowadays. What you just said, like. Everybody now is thinking just, just like put it online, just online, 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 which obviously is, uh, you know, great. You can reach a much wider audience, but it, it shouldn't be forgotten. And it's not a small thing what you just said, like reach out to your local audience and, you know, people face to face and musicians and especially for creatives. Uh, and not only, I think people make that mistake. Um, entrepreneurs make my, make that mistake as well with their products and services where they immediately try to go online and, you know, effectively draw in strangers to even get some feedback. And your immediate circle is like so much easier to approach and reach and get honest, quick feedback for whatever it is you're doing, whether it is, you know, music or you have some business idea. It is really something that is not... Um, appreciated and is forgotten, but I, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I feel it's a really good 
tip on on how to go about something when you're starting out? And one thing to remember <laughs> is everybody's got choices, right? Mm. So music aside, no matter what kind of business you're doing, you are not the only person that does it. Mm. All things being equal, if your client has a personal relationship with one of the two options, they're probably going to spend their money with the option they have the personal relationship with. Again, mm -hmm. given that the quality is the same, the price point is the same, and maybe even you can get away with a higher price if you've developed a personal relationship. Um, that's that service. That's part of that's mm -hmm. part of business, right? Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of places in our lives where we are willing to spend the extra money if that means we have a better customer service experience. Mm -hmm. For the entrepreneur, or for the small business owner, it doesn't have to be different. And one of the ways that you can go about doing that is building that network face-to-face. -face. Online is absolutely important. There's something to be said for looking somebody in the eye and, and being in the same space as someone, assuming that it is safe to do so, because I realize there's still a pandemic. <laughs> but there's something to be said for, for communicating face-to-face -face when that's possible. How do you feel music um has i mean that's like obviously a huge thing like how music has evolved evolved all the time but i'm kind of seeing and i've had some guests that are working in audio so they like they're, they're producing for example music for um commercials or music for you know the little brand tunes that brands have and all that and i think we we like audio was obviously always a huge thing, but now it's, I feel like almost like with podcasts as well, we're getting back to that because we're trying to do so many things at once. We always like have our headphones and, you know, we don't, we don't always have the time to be looking at something. So there's like, there's a huge comeback of audio. How, how do you feel that's like affecting, well, the, the space you're in and where do you see it going? Well, first of all, modern the, the current generations of music listeners do not listen to music the same way my generation did. And mm -hmm. I think I'm Generation X, and I think we might be the last generation that grew up with physical media being the way we consume music and the album as an art form being the way we mm -hmm. consume music and listening, being ready to invest an hour and just listening to one record or two records. Mm -hmm. The younger music listeners, for the most part, don't listen that way. Uh, single, the singles-driven culture it's a playlist-driven culture. The attention spans are shorter. I think mm. if you're going to be in the music space, you have to decide what kind of music listener that you want to be your customer. As an old person who still believes in albums as an art form, I'm always going to make albums, mm. okay? Well, that's going to change who I can market myself to because there are going to be mm -hmm. people that don't consume my music that way. As far as how everyone is constantly consuming some kind of content, it breaks my heart to, can, to think of music as content because for me, it's, just, it's such a very important art form. But I, mm. I understand from a business standpoint, you have to look at it that way. One of the things is that there are, there are opportunities for musicians that did not exist 20, 30 years ago. Mm. For instance, there is more, there are more television programs and movies than ever before in multiple streaming platforms, in multiple countries, and multiple languages. Every mm. single one of those shows has music. That means for every single one of those shows, someone is looking for music to put on the show. Mm. That's an opportunity for a musician to, to fill that need. I hope that I've answered that question right. I feel like there's a part of that mm. question I didn't quite answer fully but that's i don't foresee that changing or going anywhere anytime soon there's going to be more visual content and in order for that content to be more engaging having a reason musical soundtrack behind it or a score of some sort is always going to be something that's there mm. no you did you did answer it when, and i yeah go ahead i was going to ask when's the last time you saw a tv show that didn't have any music in it 
Mm. Oh, no, it's actually funny that I think once I had, there was some glitch in something we were watching, some technical glitch, and it cut out the background music. And I think you, it makes you immediately realize how much of the movie, and, and it's not even like it wasn't the scene that the music was central. Like people were talking, stuff was happening, but you have that thing in the background and you don't notice it when it's there, but you do notice when it's not there. And you're like, whoa, what's happening? Like that this movie's broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even when you are not paying attention to the music, hmm. the, the people that make movie sound design know how to use it to manipulate you emotionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, I mean, music, what, what is music? Like if we don't say like let's not say manipulate but but it, it does play on your feelings yeah i mean it, it, it I, I would imagine in, in commercials and in, in films it could well be manipulating but when we're talking about the sense of like listening to music for pleasure um i love the way you mentioned how and i haven't thought about that but you're absolutely right when you when we were just talking about how has music changed and it's more like how consumers have changed the way they listen and therefore they're dictating um, how music is made. And I have been doing that without realizing it, but that's absolutely true that now I'm like, I even have some of my favorite songs and I only know like that one song of that artist. I don't even know the rest of their songs. Whereas before it was, yeah. you would you would have the album, you would know all the songs and it's it was a thing. It was like, oh, you would have the visual in front of you, you know, even if you're not looking at it, you would remember it. It was an art form, just the album thing and feeling. Um, and I would imagine that obviously was a different way, you know, people were producing that content so that it matches that. And, and that's, yeah, that's very interesting. I haven't even noticed that until you mentioned it. And if, you happen to be an artist that still likes to make albums, as I am. That's just one of those things you have to deal with. I'm always going to make albums because I like albums. However, because the modern music listener wants singles, I'm going to release the occasional single in between albums mm. because that's kind of what people are expecting uh, these mm. days. So, you know, I, at first I make music for me because the, the songwriting helps my mental health and it's cathartic. But... When it as soon as I decide to 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 sell a song or an album, that becomes sorry that that puts me in in, in a business. So I have to kind of mm. try to meet the market where it is. Sometimes uh, there mm. are things that I definitely want to do, so I'm always going to make albums. But if the market wants singles, well, I, now I'm still going to make the music and went awake. I'm not going to write something that I don't believe in just to satisfy a market need. Mm. But Going forward, I will always make sure that I have enough material around to be used as a single when I don't have a full album project in the works because that's kind of where the business is now. Mm. Something that a lot of, um, well, I think actually that could apply to anyone. I was going to say musicians, but it's not just anybody creative, anybody even going into entrepreneurship, whether it's, you know, as their personal brand or as some, you know, business brand. Uh, but I think it's a bit more personal when it's artists because you're really putting out who you are and what you feel in a very raw kind of way uh, out there. So the criticism, obviously, everybody gets criticism for whatever they do. I mean, you walk around the street, there's probably people judging you, but it's different when it's when it's your art and something that you've really put work into. And I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with and it stops them from even like trying to share and put their work yeah. out there. How do you how do you deal with that? What would you would your advice be to people who are just starting out and at that stage? I would say decide 
why you want to do music because the why the why is going to enable you to answer any kind of fork in the road problem or question that comes if music is only an outlet for you as a way to express your emotions it's only fun there's nothing wrong with that. All right, then maybe you don't need to have to put up with anybody's criticism. Mm. Right? If music is what you want to do for a living, like if you want to, if you want people to buy singles mm. or albums or music, you also might not have to put up with criticism, <laughs> depending <laughs> on whether or not you found you found your audience. But there's going to be a certain amount of. I mean, criticism doesn't necessarily always have to be negative. When mm. it's your art, it always feels like it is. But you kind of have to know how to step back and understand what is useful and when what is not. But if it, if you're running a business. And you have reasonably reasonable advice that will help you be a better business person. Mm. You should probably investigate that and apply what you can apply. And I don't think music's any different. But I think the first question you have to ask is why. Mm. If if you're an entrepreneur and music is part of that, then you are going to have to deal with all sorts of criticism. The the thing is going to be deciding what to listen to and what to not. Mm. I think. You don't get better without some kind of constructive criticism. So putting having people around you that you can go to for an external quality check is useful. And being solid in your purpose as to what you want to achieve and knowing what kind of art you want to make and knowing who you are. Again, I guess that comes back to branding again, doesn't it, when we're talking about business. <laughs> that will help you going forward to know whose criticism to accept and whose criticism to, mm. to dismiss. It always hurts. <laughs> Like you said, uh, art is so personal to us. But the way I look at it is, first of all, if, if there's something that I don't think is good enough, nobody ever hears it and it's not going to go on my website <laughs> and it's not going to go on a CD, right? Like they're, they're not all winners that I write and I don't have a problem admitting that. But if I don't think it's good enough, no one, you're never going to hear it talking on it. No one else is ever going to hear it. So I'm I'm kind of the first level of, of quality control. Mm. If I have determined that it is good enough to let other people hear, then personally speaking, if someone comes and tells me that it's not, well, then I know they're wrong because I've already decided that this is good enough. If it wasn't, you wouldn't have heard it. Uh, <laughs> then it becomes a subjective thing because obviously music is, is very subjective. I feel like I'm getting lost in the weeds of that answer because there's a whole lot to say here. Um, <laughs> oh, it's important. It's a I, it's a question I think that I'll, I'll pretty much everybody faces that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are objective things. Is it well recorded? Is it well mixed? Mm. I'm the kind of person that doesn't do... I, look, I uh, don't have engineering skills, so I pay professionals to do that <laughs> for me. And I have had feedback on some of my work that, hey, I, uh, this isn't well mixed. Well, that I, I, that I can dismiss. I know I paid an industry professional to mix it. I know it is mixed professionally. If someone tells me that it's not well mixed and I know that a pro did it, it's you mm. don't like the mix. It doesn't mean that it's not good. It means you don't like it. Uh, but there are so many musicians that do all that at home. And sometimes mm. the, the people that do music criticism really can't tell the difference because either they're not musicians or mm. they're not part of the business. So they just say, this I like, this I don't. And they'll comment on things that they don't know anything about. Uh, so that's one of those things where knowing knowing who you are, what you've done, and what kind of product you have is important because it helps you to determine whether to even take criticism like that to heart. Yeah, when people mm. comment on some of the technical aspects of my music that I did not execute because I realized I don't have that skill set and I let someone that does do it, those kind of criticisms I can just let. <laughs> like, it doesn't even bother me because, you know, you're wrong. And okay, and then you move on to the next thing. You look for something that you can actually use to improve, right? Mm. Yeah, and I think what the, like if we, if we were to summarize that, um, basically the first 
and very important thing, and I think it applies to just about anything, is know your why, why you're doing this. And that will always help help to lead you towards, you know, any choice that then you come you come across having to make, whether it's about your business or um your your art. I think that's that's a very important one. And then, yeah, the execute professionally because, as with music, you have. Uh, I think I, I watched a masterclass with um, Helen Mirren. I think, yeah, um, and and she was saying that you and it's, she's not the only one to say it, but I remember her saying it that effectively, like in everything, you know, in her case, it was about acting, but it can apply to music, it can apply to painting, to just about anything. You you have to. There are rules. You have to know the rules, even if it's. To break them afterwards, but you have to know them. So that's uh, I feel very important, and that's where the professionalism comes into. And something that you just touched on, and I feel it's also very important, is knowing your limits. You just said like I, I realize I can't do that well, so you know I got somebody to do it, and that's something that I feel many people hard find very hard to do, whether it's with their art or whether it's with their business, and actually probably even more <laughs> with their business than with their art. I think artists are a bit more honest, <laughs> but yeah, in business, you're like, no, I can do everything. I'm, I'm just like going to do it all myself. And it's like, no, you're not good at everything. You're just like, there's that control freak that lives in every one of us. Yeah. Um, nobody can do it better than me. <laughs> but sometimes someone can. Yeah. And if you can, look, if you can afford, because sometimes you can't afford to, to hire a task out. Mm. And so that I get, but if you can afford to hire a task out, and you can get help that it's better at it than you do it. Even if they're not better at it than you, just to enable you to focus on a different <laughs> part of the business, mm. do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great takeaway. Cool. And last question. What is what is what are you looking forward to this year? What's what's new and exciting for you? Oh, this year. So this is gonna <laughs> be one of those there's a lot of emotion in, in, in this next response. So I've been working the last 18 months on a new project. It is an EP. Uh, it is a concept EP. So for those of you who are not in music, that means that it's kind of like an album, but shorter than a full-length album. This is, these are all historical music terms from like the 50s and 60s. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's an album, but not as long as, as a full-length <laughs> album. And all of the songs on the project share a certain theme. Uh, this particular EP came together during the pandemic and the time we were quarantined. Mm. Some of the songs existed before that, but I put the project together during that time. They're all about uh, Black experiences as experienced by a Black person in the United States. Uh, those of us in the United States who are minorities, there are a certain amount of life experiences that we share that not everyone does. Mm. And you're right what you know, right? So some some of those experiences and feelings have been coming out in songs. And I decided, let's just put several of these songs that are similar in these experiences together. Mm -hmm. All the songs on this project are in a different genre, which is crazy. <laughs> from a branding standpoint, it makes no kind of sense. <laughs> for music branding, they all, you know, you always want to put it in a box. Well, what kind of music is it? And, and especially mm -hmm. when you distribute digitally, the digital companies always ask you, what's the genre? Well, I've, I've got a funk song on this project, but just one of them. And I've got a blues mm -hmm. song, but just one of them. And I've got a gospel song. And I've got a punk song and I've got like a jazz doo-wop song. So that's definitely crazy, but that's part of the that's part of the concept. So the songs mm -hmm. are united in theme, but completely different genre. All of the personnel on the project are also black. And my reasoning for that is so Tashiana, I could tell you something that has happened to me and that's a terrible experience. And because you're a nice human being, you can be like, that's terrible. I can't imagine that, you know, that's that's a, that's a terrible story. But another person can say, Oh yeah, that happened to my uncle. 
where that happened to me too. It's a different level of understanding. Mm. Specifically for the kind of stories I'm telling on this project, I wanted only black personnel on the project. That meant that I had to reach out and work with people I'd never worked with before. Mm. I worked with anybody. And my normal engineer professional is a white gentleman, but he did not qualify for this one project. So I've been happy to expand those networking skills and get out and meet musicians from different parts of my state, different parts of the country, and not just the music part of the project, but also because I am an old person who likes music in physical form. I'm going to have CDs pressed. There's going to be mm. artwork and I'm going to put all the lyrics in there. Uh, the art director, also a black person. Uh, all of the, I'm going to have essays in there for context to contextualize the lyrical themes, all the essayists. Uh, black mm. people commenting on their own experiences. It's as far as a cohesive artistic statement, mm. the best thing I've ever done. On an individual song level, I can say that I've written songs that are probably better than some of these, but as far as making a cohesive project, mm. this is my best work, which is kind of scary because you don't know how people react. Uh, mm. I'm taking a sonic turn musically. I'm making, I'm making sounds and styles of music that I've never tried to share with people before. So that's, I'm, Basically, my existing audience might like it, but I'm going after when I market it, a completely different demographic, which is kind of scary. Mm. It's very open and vulnerable. Every song on this record is uh, first person, either my experiences, my thoughts, how I feel about things. And sometimes it's difficult to share that with an army of strangers, mm. especially if, if you think, you know, because sometimes we artists think the word, well, what if nobody understands it? Or what if people really mm. hate it, especially when you're bearing your soul? So that's a very frightening part of it. I'm going to tell a secret to your audience, Tatiana, that I don't tell everyone. Um, I tell my mailing list and, you know, people face to face. But uh, so I don't know if you remember in the 90s on a CD, you could hide music on there that wasn't on the wasn't on the box. Right. Mm. That's where the technology works. You could put songs on the CD that were not mm -hmm. listed. And then when people put the CD in and mm -hmm. they listened to the entire album, because that's what we did, you would find stuff like, oh, that's that's extra music. So yeah. Uh, I, this album is going to have six songs on streaming, but eight songs on the physical CDs. Mm. And I'm also putting bonus music in between each song on the CD that is not going to be on streaming. So there's mm. a whole lot of extra product on the physical CD version, two completely different, two completely new songs, also in different genres than the other six, and mm. a whole bunch of extra bonus music that you don't get if you only get it on streaming. And that's essentially an incentive to people, mm. hey, buy the CD and have a different listening experience. Also, the uh, lyric and liner note booklet is going to be 16 pages. It's basically mm. the whole cohesive artistic project. There's going to be videos accompanying it. So that's somewhat crazy and ambitious. I don't, I mean, I know why I'm doing it, but when I look at all my, how much work has gone into it, like it would have been easier just to make a regular record. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm, but I'm trying to say something here. Yeah, I'm trying to say something here, and it's uh, if, if people listen and consume, I hope that they learn something, perhaps about me or my life. I hope that it makes people think. I hope that it makes people feel. And that is going to be out. I don't have a release date yet. The songs are off at the mastering house right now, being mastered. Uh, the mastering engineer, also a black gentleman, who I had to look for online because I don't know any personally. Mastering engineers for black, but you can find anything on the internet. Uh, so they're all being mastered right now by an industry professional who does really good work. And so I have to put a marketing plan together for, for the album. And then I have to do a release on a rollout. And that's, there's a lot of work coming my way in the next few months is what mm. I'm saying. But 
I really believe in the project and I'm kind of looking like if people approach it with an open mind, especially if they've listened to my other music, I think they're going to be surprised at me attempting to do things I've never done musically, but not just for a joke. Like I'm honestly trying to respect the art form of these genres I'm using. Uh, for instance, I had never written a blues song before this, this project, mm. but I put a blues song on this project, but I wanted to be respectful. So I made sure that I followed you know, the blues conventions and I made mm. it sound like a blues song. Uh, the gospel song on this project, well, gospel songs are based in Christianity, right? And they, they come from the church services from a hundred years ago. So I based the gospel song on some scriptures from the Bible and made the lyrics reminiscent of, I mean, it's not supposed to be preachy, but I'm trying to respect mm. the genre. So I made the gospel song sound like a gospel song. So that's everything about it is as authentic and sincere as I could possibly be. It is very me which is if people don't like it, it's going to hurt my feelings. But that's, I'd say that's the exciting thing that's coming this year uh, <laughs> is that I have this project that's already kind of, it's like it's so close to being done. And I, I mean, I don't have the product in my hand yet, but it's like yeah. at the last, last stage. And I know it's going to be out this year. And I'm going to be putting a lot of effort into releasing that. And also at the same time, trying to market myself to a new audience that doesn't know me, trying to bring people in my world, trying to make a uh, personal connection. Yeah, it's, wow, it's just kind of exhausting and tiring to think about. Just the emotional toll, right? Um, yeah. Well, I feel it's, it's the sort of thing that's going to be very rewarding as well, equally. Yes. That's, see, you're a lot better at this than me. Because, you know, I, I'm so close to the project, it's just hard. Yeah. To, I'm going to have to figure out a way to detach and talk about it in clinical terms. Um, <laughs> it means, it, it really does mean a lot to me. And I just really hope that it resonates with people and I, and I can, and I can reach people and that they understand it. So, mm. but that's, that's, uh, I mean, there's more, but that's the big thing. That's the thing that's important. The other, the more we can talk about some other time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I do have those guests uh, every now and then that I'm like, okay, we need to have another show because like, you know, we're running out of time, but I feel there's a lot more to say. Well, let's, let's make that once it's out, actually, that'll be a very cool time to catch up and see how it's going. I can't, you know, um, do you still have a CD player, Tatiana? Mm -hmm. Do you still have a CD player? Do I have a CD? Probably somewhere in the house. I'm gonna All have right, because if you still have a CD player, I'll send you one and then you can get the experience. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. I love that. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's end on that note. Uh, thank you for for joining us, and I'm I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we cover that will be useful for both our artistic and entrepreneurial audience. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.